Thank you, Steve and choir and uh, the hoppers. I'm so excited about y'all being here. I'm looking forward to tonight. There has uh, been some request that West Church join with you tonight in singing Looking for City. And so if you can work that in, I'm sure that that would be something that uh, we all would enjoy as well as having you here. When I come into this building, it is always a reminder to me of the faithfulness of God and the faith of his people. First Baptist Church has always been a people of faith. When we built our historic building in 1859, it was a statement of faith. At that time, the facility would seat 10% of the population of Columbia. And then when we built this building 20 years ago, it was a demonstration of the faith of our people in the faithfulness of God. So we celebrate our heritage, but today I want to speak to you about our future. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. I have preached from these verses before, but they provide a structure for the remarks I want to make today. 2 Kings 6, beginning in verse number 1. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Behold, now the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and each of us take from there a beam and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. So he said, go. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I shall go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and took it. The story that we are looking at today is a story of vision. Now, these prophets had a vision of building a school. That's what they wanted to do. That was their vision. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a vision is important because it motivates us. And sometimes we need to be motivated. I love the story about the old prospector who had been up in the mountains prospecting for gold. He came down to the town to refurbish his supplies, and after he got his supplies, he went into the saloon. He was not a Baptist prospector. He belonged to some other denomination, but he went into the saloon. He hadn't been in there a long time, and there were some cowboys in the saloon, and so they decided they would have some fun with the old prospector, and they came over to him, and one of them said, Old prospector, do you know how to dance? He said, Nope. He said, well, you're fixing to learn. And so those cowboys took out their guns and they began shooting around his feet and he was skipping and jumping and dodging those bullets. Well, they laughed and then they turned back to the bar and the old prospector left. He went out the door. A couple of minutes later, the cowboys were standing there by the bar and one of them felt a tap on his shoulder. And when he looked around, there was an old prospector holding a shotgun pointed at his head. And he said, cowboy, you ever kissed a mule? He said, no, but I've always wanted to. (laughs) 
Sometimes we need a little motivation, and that's what vision does. It provides motivation. Now, we see something about the prophet's vision there in verse number 1. Now, the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Behold, now the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. There, there are a couple of things I notice about their vision. The first is that there is a sense of urgency about it. Behold, now the place where we are. You see, what was happening is that people were responding to the miracles of Elisha. And so they thought we need to take advantage of that. We need to strike while the iron is hot. And so there was that urgency about their vision. Now the place is too limited for us. Something else I noticed about their vision is that it was unlimited. They said the place where we are is too small. It will not allow us to do what we need to do. So we need an unlimited place so we can perform the ministry to which we have been called. So that was their vision. Today I want to share with you something about my vision for First Baptist Church. Two things I would say about vision. First of all, it must be articulated. My friend, if you cannot articulate your vision, you don't have one. Now, you can say that you're a visionary person if you want to, but if you cannot articulate your vision, then you don't have one. Secondly, it must be measurable because that's where the accountability comes from. So when we're talking about vision, I want you to understand that, that it has to be articulated and it has to be measurable. Now, as I understand the three basic responsibilities of the church are found in Matthew chapter 28. The first is that of worship. Now then Jesus had died, he had risen from the grave and the disciples responded in Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. I believe that is the first responsibility of the church is to worship the Lord. So in our vision then, what I want to see is more and more people worshiping the Lord with us here at First Baptist Church. Now, that is going to be the responsibility of Steve Phillips, and I will join with him. But the commitment is, and he and I have already been talking about this, as we go forward, that we increase our worship attendance by 5% a year. So that means then that we are going to have to motivate you, that you're going to have to be involved, because Steve and I cannot do that by ourselves. But we are committed to doing that. So I think, first of all, that we need more and more people assembled together for the purpose of worshiping God. And I think that is the first responsibility of the church. Now, the second component is evangelism. In Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, we are going to be led in this by Dennis Banks because he has the responsibility of leading us in evangelism. What we want to see is that within three years, we are baptizing 200 people a year and going forward with that. Evangelizing people, sharing the gospel, 
having those events like we had with Team Impact, things of that nature, the Vacation Bible School, the youth camps, all of those things become intentional means of sharing the gospel of Christ so that people are saved. So we want to come within two, within three years at 200 people being baptized. Now evangelism is not complete until you come to the third component, which is discipleship. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And West Church, when he's not singing, is going to lead us in that area. Now, what we want to do, here is our goal for that, is that we increase our Sunday school attendance by 5% a year and that we increase our other Bible studies we have by 5% also. So the vision then, this is, this is my vision going forward, that we worship the Lord, increasing our attendance here by 5% a year, that we see 200 people baptized a year within three years, and that we increase our Sunday school attendance by 5% and our Bible study attendance by 5%. Okay, so that's good. How do we do it? What is the plan? How do we fulfill the vision? What is the blueprint? Well, the, 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 uh, the prophets had one in verse number two. Please, please let us go to the Jordan. Each of us take from there a beam. Let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. And so he said, go. Now, as I look at their plan, it was very specific. They planned for the place. We're going to the Jordan. So they had a place planned. They plan for participation. Let each of us. So everyone is going to be involved. All the prophets are going to be involved in this vision. And then they plan for materials. They said, let each one take a beam. Well, how do we accomplish our vision? I mean, it's one thing for me to get up here and say, we need to increase our attendance by 5%. We need to do all these, baptize 200 people. That's the easy part. How do we do it? How do we actually do it? Well, for one thing, we're going to need a couple more buildings, some more space. Now, listen to me here. I am sharing with you a vision. I am not proposing that uh, we're going to do this starting next week. So you can relax. We will go through the normal channels. When it is time, we will go through the channels that are necessary to get there. I am simply sharing with you the vision that the Lord has laid on my heart, I believe. So, all right, now having said that, we're going to need a couple of buildings. One of them is a student building. The student building will be connected to the Family Life Center and go out to Washington Street. And that is according to our master site plan. We have some good big space in the buildings over there, but we don't have the small space that enables us to do small groups. Did you know that with the middle school, high school, and college students, we have about 300 in attendance in Sunday school every Sunday morning? So we need some more space in that area, and that is one of the areas I want to see us build. The second is music media. When we built this building, we built it so that another floor could be added above the music suite. I mean, the foundation was built for that, so it's to add that next floor on there. Why do we need to develop that? Well, first of all, because our media is expanding. You know that we have the broadcast media and our services are broadcast throughout the entire state of South Carolina into Georgia and North Carolina and so forth. So you already know that how, how the Lord has blessed that through the years. 
But in the social media, and I don't even know what that is, but they tell me it's just doing great. While we're having the services now, they're up there in, in the control room and they're tweeting and Facebooking and, and whatever that is. They're doing all of that. And so people from around the world are responding to our service. I said it used to be that I had to preach a sermon and then you could criticize it. Now they criticize it while I'm preaching. (laughs) You don't even have to wait now. But in using that media, one of the things I want to see us do is that there are a number of programs that we can develop. We have the equipment, we have the personnel, we have everything except the space. And I think we could have a cooking show. I think that we could have a senior adult show. I think that we could have a student show. We, we could have a young married children, all those things. And it doesn't cost us anything because you play it on the Internet. We just need the space to be able to do it. And so I want to see that developed. And then eventually I want us to have a music school. Steve and I have talked about that for years. You know, whenever there were budget cuts within the school system, many, uh, much of the media was cut, uh, much of the arts was cut. And I think that it is an opportunity for us. And we have wonderful musicians, and they can be involved in that. So I'd like to see that going forward. Well, I know what you're thinking, because I know Baptist. Well, that's a, how are we going to pay for that? Right? Well, you're going to pay for it. You know that. <laughs> but there's a three-step process. One... We are involved in Fulfill the Vision now. And with Fulfill the Vision, you know that is how we are doing the improvements on the buildings that we're doing right now. Half of it goes to that. Half of it goes to uh, paying down the debt. I would like to extend that by one year. That is due to conclude in May of 2013. I would like for us to extend that one year. And that will enable us to continue on with the improvements that need to be made. Then in May of 2014, we need to have a three-year capital campaign to pay for these two buildings to which I refer. At that time, then the church will have to make a decision. Are we going to borrow the money and build the buildings and pay it back through the capital campaign, or do we pay as you go? That will be a decision that will have to be made then if we go forward with this. So that's the second thing. The third thing is the endowment. I've spoken to you before about two endowments in which I am interested. One of them is uh, the, the facility endowment because I think that there comes a time in a church like ours when you have these facilities that you can't keep them up with the budget. So if we had a proper endowment, then we can take care of our facility with that. So remember that when you're making out your will. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about when you die. So put it in your will. And the other thing is concerning the media. That is an expansion that continues to grow. So if we had those two endowments funded, the facilities and the media, then that would enable us to do that. So those are the three steps in going forward. One is that we extend... Fulfill the vision. Two is that we have a three-year capital campaign. And then three is the endowment. Now that brings me to a personal word. See, I'm anticipating what you're thinking. You know, I tell you about that stuff. You say, who's going to pay for it? You're going to pay for it. And then I tell you about this stuff, and you're thinking, what are you going to do? I told Linda the other day, I said, now, here's my problem. My mind is still young, but my body is not as young as it used to be. 
So what am I going to do? Well, after we get through this uh, campaign, then Linda and I will meet with some of our church leaders and we will prayerfully consider as to what God wants us to do going forward. And as candid as I know how to be with you, I have no plan beyond that. I want to serve the Lord effectively as long as I can. And so we will trust the Lord with that. But that is, I know that you're thinking about that. So I figured I might as well bring it up. All right. So that is how I think that we can fulfill this. This is the vision. This is how we can fulfill it. But now we also have to address our fears. Whenever you're talking about vision, there is always a certain amount of fear that goes with it. And we have to deal with our fears. And the basis for all fear, I think, is uncertainty. When when there is a sense of uncertainty, we become a little bit nervous. And you'll find that throughout the scripture. For instance, uh, when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, they were going to the promised land. They were very excited about going to the promised land until they turned around and saw Pharaoh's army behind them. And because of the uncertainty, they became somewhat fearful. And so the scripture says in Exodus 14, And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in this wilderness? You see what happened to them? They were excited that God had freed them from bondage. But then there is the uncertainty of Pharaoh's army pursuing them. And now they are not seeing the promised land. They are seeing a cemetery. Did you bring us out here to die? Is that the reason you brought us out here? So there is the uncertainty that resulted in fear. You see the same thing with David. Because the uncertainty that surrounded David concerning his life, he became fearful. And the psalmist said, For I have heard the slander of many terrors on every side. They scheme to take away my life. There is the uncertainty that resulted in fear. You see the same thing whenever the disciples were in the upper room. Jesus had been crucified. There is uncertainty what's going to happen to them. They became fearful in John chapter 20 verse 19. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So they were fearful because of the uncertainty. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. Now I bring those things up to say this. I understand the uncertainty of the future. What about our country? Which way is our country going to go? I don't know the answer to that. But I don't think there's ever been a more important time for the people of God to be the people of God than now. I know that the country is not the country it was when I was growing up as a boy, when basically we all believed the same thing. We were either Methodist or Baptist in the little town I grew up in. We had a few Presbyterians. But we shared that value system, and I don't know where we're going to go in the future. What about the Middle East? What's going to happen with Israel and Iran? Everything that's going on in the Middle East. There's some uncertainty there. What about the economy? I mean, you hear just as I do about the possible inflation or the probable inflation that is before us, and the interest rates are going to go up, and the debt that we're having to deal with, businesses dying and so forth. What's going to happen with it? 
Will I even have a job next year? Some of you are thinking that. Will I even have a job next year? So I know there's some uncertainty. And my friend, that's the reason that your focus is so important because if you focus on the uncertainty, you will be fearful. If you focus on a God-given vision, you will have confidence. If our focus is on God, we move a faith. If our focus is on our circumstances, we move in fear. And so I, I, I look at the uh, prophets and I see that they focused on their vision. They were excited about it. Look at verse number three. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I shall go. You know what I think happened? I think these prophets were talking and they were talking about the future. They were talking about the school that they were going to develop. And Elisha came up and said, what are you guys talking about? He said, man, we're going to build a school. I mean, this is a great opportunity for us. People are responding to the miracles. This is a great opportunity. We're going to build a school. And then one of them said, you know, you ought to join us in that. He said, I think I will. I mean, they were enthused about it. They were excited about it. And he became excited as well. That's what I want for you and me. I read in one of Robert Schuller's books, and some things I don't agree with, but I do agree with this statement. He said, I don't allow my staff to ask if we have the money for something. I only want to know if it is God's will. That's all I want to know. If something is God's will, then ladies and gentlemen, he will provide. So I look at these prophets and I see that they are excited about the vision of building the school. And the next thing I see is that they were willing to work towards it in verse number four. So he went with them and when they came to Jordan, they cut down trees You can get excited about a vision, but you still have to cut down the trees. There are always the trees that have to be cut down. B.C. Forbes wrote, have you a vision and are you undeviatingly pressing and pushing towards its accomplishment? Dreaming alone will not get you there. Mix your dreaming with determination and action. In other words, we have to cut down the trees. There's always work to be done. Ladies and gentlemen, we can have a vision concerning the future. We can have a blueprint as to how to accomplish it, and it's still going to take work. Steve, it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of creativity, and a lot of work if we're going to add 5% to this. Dennis, it's going to take a lot of work. I mean, it isn't going to come easy. I mean, it's it's a God, but it isn't going to be easy. It means that somebody's going to have to share the faith. It isn't going to be easy. Wes, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of work to do the organization, to enlist the people, to train the people, to do all those things. What I'm saying to you is that we can have the vision, we can be excited about it, but we still have to cut down the trees. We still have to do the work. But as we trust the Lord, we are going to be victorious. Now, having the Lord's vision, being committed to it, excited about it and all that does not preclude obstacles in verse number five but as one was felling a beam the axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said alas my master for it was borrowed you see he was doing God's work he was working towards the vision and yet he lost the axe head it fell into the water there will be obstacles I know that 
We, we can't anticipate all of them, but you know and I know whenever I speak about building a couple of buildings and doing those things that we need to do, you know there are going to be obstacles. We can't necessarily predict what they're going to be, but I can predict that there are going to be some. There are going to be some obstacles. But I honestly believe as we engage in the work of God that we can expect miracles to offset the obstacles. Look at verse number 6. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and took it. The Lord provided a miracle to the obstacle. I would simply say to you, if we are committed to going forward with the Lord, understanding the importance of the day in which you and I live and the necessity of us being the church today, well, start looking for miracles. Start looking for miracles. God is prepared to meet every need, but faith is required on our part. When I look at our history, God has been faithful. Goodness. When we moved into this building, you remember the enormous cost that was involved in the building. And yet today we owe just a little bit over $1.6 million on all our buildings, everything. God's been so faithful. God has been faithful and you have been people of faith. So when I look back, I say, you know, the Lord's been faithful. We can trust him. And when I look forward, I'm reminded that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God. We can still trust him. I think that you and I are living in the most challenging days probably of our lives. And we are living in the most exciting days probably of our life. We have an opportunity to be at God's people at a significant time. But we must walk in obedience to the Lord. And that means faith. Our gracious Father, thank you for allowing us to live at such an exciting and critical time. Thank you for trusting us with the gospel at a time when the world seems to resist it, but desperately needs it. Lord, make us more. We don't ask that you reduce our challenge but make us equal to it. And even in this invitation time, Father, I pray that there might be an obedience to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir's going to sing. An invitation is extended. If you're here without Jesus Christ, I encourage you to come and trust him today. If you're looking for a church home, you heard the vision. You want to be a part of that? We'd love to have you. You come. Stand with me, please, as we stand. They sing, you come, I'll greet you.